0: Welcome to Storytime with Uncle Reddit, a podcast where I read some of the best posts from across Reddit and around the web. Each episode is a collection of funny content that includes subjects like Tales from Tech Support, Entitled Parents, Choosing Beggars, Pro Revenge, and more. Today's episode is all about Tales from Tech Support. I sent you the username. The boss contacted us because one of her new employees can't log into his account. In the mail she sent us, she included his username but when I looked at it, I noticed it was completely the wrong format to be one of our usernames. So I scrolled down in the email we had received and saw that she had also included the automatic email that had been sent out when the account was created, containing a different username than the one she sent us. So I sent her a reply, pointing out that the username she sent us was different from the one in the automatic email. I explained which username was the correct one, and I asked which one the employee was trying to use, and what does she reply? I included the username in the email I sent you. So when informed that she either made a typo in the email sent to us or gave her employee the wrong username, her response is to ask us to look at the email she sent us. Imagine having that person as a boss. You know, I could almost understand her missing it the first time. You know, people get busy. I'm sure she's got a lot of other stuff to deal with. And, you know, maybe she didn't take notice of the automated email versus what the user was giving her or what she made up out of her own head. I don't know, but um I could sort of see that. But when the tech emails you back and says, hey, the actual username's here. The one you sent us is not correct at all. Which one's the user trying to use? I mean, it's a simple question. Yeah, that's when you got to take a step back, reread what you sent, what was sent to you by the user and tech, and kind of put it all together. Uh, Yeah, reading is fundamental, kids. The doctor will see you now. I'm a field service engineer working on optometry equipment. Most of the doctors I work with are lovely, but you also get the ones that think you should bow and scrape for merely being in their presence. Today's story contains the latter. I booked a job to look at an older machine not too far away. The doctor had been quite nitpicky about keeping this machine going and didn't want to pay too much, upgrade the machine, or generally do anything that would cost more than the bare minimum. I turned up about five minutes early and told reception that I was there to fix the machine. They informed me that the doctor was still seeing patients and I'd have to wait. So I took a seat and started checking emails like a good little employee. 15 minutes went by and still no movement from the office, so I went back to reception to ask how long it might be as I had booked the time. They told me they weren't sure, but that I would just have to wait. Fine, I'll wait. Another 20 minutes went past. It was now 30 minutes after my appointed time, so I went once again to the front desk Before I could even say anything, they addressed me. The doctor's still seeing patients as we told you. You'll just have to wait. So I countered. That's fine, but I've been here 30 minutes now. That's the time we allot for the call out, which is $175 plus tax. We're now on the hourly rate at $150 per hour plus tax. So I'm fine to wait if you'd like, but I just wanted to let you know what it's costing. The receptionist, obviously knowing how much the doctor liked spending money, immediately got up and trotted into the doctor's office. About 30 seconds later, the door opened and the patient was almost pushed out of the room. Okay, I might be remembering that a bit more comically than it happened, but I swear it looked like they were pushing her. The receptionist turned to me and said, The doctor will see you now. I'm not a doctor. Never played one on TV. Never stayed in a Holiday Inn Express even. As a contractor first, I get what this guy's going through. I've never been to a doctor's office to do work like that, so... But I've been to other places where people expect you to wait, and they think you're not going to charge them for that wait time. Well, that's kind of goofy but all right as a patient though i gotta say doctor's offices tend to overbook and i'm not sure why maybe somebody who is in the medical field can let me know down below but why why do doctors tend to overbook okay i know you get some cancellations every so often and everything like that i know doctors allot themselves a certain minimum amount of time to be with a patient and they're just kind of flying through it being efficient I can sort of get that too. It sort of sucks when you got questions for them about the topic that you made the appointment for. Okay, I could even see that. But when my appointment time says 3 o'clock, you have no emergencies coming in, and I can't be seen until 4 or later? That's ridiculous. I just have to suck it up and deal with it, huh? If I'm more than 15, most doctor's offices around here are 15 minutes. If I am 16 minutes late, my appointment gets postponed or canceled. And that's fine. It should be that way because I'm a big boy and I should be on time. But when you're 15 minutes, half hour, one hour, sometimes even up to an hour and a half late seeing me, what recourse do I have? None. Go see another doctor. Great. So I get to travel an extra 20 or 30 miles to go see somebody else who is also not reasonable when it comes to scheduling appointments. I don't know. Make me understand. IT needs help with the monitor, or how plugging in a cable takes three days and costs hundreds of euros. So this happened some time ago and still has everyone facepalming on our floor of the building. I'm currently working in the IT department of a larger, international company. As with most larger companies, Level 1 support for all hardware and software issues is outsourced to basically the other end of the world. Those poor chaps have to support thousands of workstations, even more laptops and mobile devices running different OSs hardware configurations, and software with at least three-quarters of the company speaking English as at least their second language, the support staff included. Also, on-premises level 2 and above support may not work on problems that have not been escalated through the support chain, which makes sense given the amount of devices that have to be supported. First point of contact is not a standardized ticketing system, but someone somewhere had the incredible idea to implement an instant messaging system as the first point of contact. That means all support requests have to be ticketed, Good, but tickets can only be opened by the level 1 support person after you start chatting with them through the instant messaging system that automatically matches you with an available agent. Tedious. Do you have a problem that takes more than one chat session to solve? Well, congratulations, you're going to chat with a different level 1 agent each time that has to verify the prior agent did everything according to policy before they can start working on your problem. So much for background information. Now the issue was simple enough. A docking station at a shared desk didn't work properly. The second monitor didn't show up when connected. Company policy states no one except support agents may tinker with hardware. This includes the plugging and unplugging of cables. Now you can probably guess where all this is going. My boss had a problem, told me to check it out with my laptop and contact support if my laptop had the same issue at the same docking station. In our brutal naivete, we assumed this would be a 30-second to 5-minute chat with poor Mr. Level 1 that he would then forward to an on-premise Level 2 support to check whether it's just a cable that needs replugging or if the docking station is fried. Well, no such thing is quick and simple. What ensued was quite different. After verifying that it was not just one laptop that had problems connecting to the monitor, I contacted the support, describing the problem with the docking station and monitor, including that different laptops have the same issue at this particular docking station. Although Mr. Level 1 most likely perfectly understood the problem, his Level 1 support process forces him to first examine the issue and suggest fixes I have to try. Did that, didn't work. Then remote into my machine to try it himself, didn't work. And then keep going with software solutions until the playbook is empty. Now at this point what we thought would take 5 minutes already took 45 minutes with remote access being incredibly slow over about 9,000 kilometers and a couple firewalls as well as language difficulties, while describing the solutions. At this point, I had to join a meeting and had to postpone the issue. Mr. Level 1 creates a ticket and faithfully adds, user does not have time, we will finish checkout at a later date. Three hours later, the day is done. I finally got time to restart the process. And to restart, it was. New Mr. Level 1 had to re-verify all the aforementioned solutions taking another 45 minutes until he got to the part where service pack and driver installs have to be checked and redone. My insistence that this is not an issue of this particular laptop, but with more than one device, had to be duly ignored to follow the standardized process. Cue a longer coffee break on my end. After another 45 minutes, I checked back on my laptop. The last few updates were currently installing, and surprisingly, still did not solve the problem. New Mr. Level 1 is finally able to escalate the problem. Unfortunately, neither Mr. Level 1 or new Mr. Level 1 included my description of the location of the desk and docking station for MR on premises. Is that supposed to be tech level 2? I don't know. Another 2 days go by. The docking station got a handwritten sign of kaput. In the meantime, I switch to home office for the week. I get a call from Mr. on premises. Oh, I get it. Asking about the ticket, apologizing that it took so long. Now understandably, a broken docking station is low priority as we have shared desks and after COVID most people are still working from home, meaning no one really needed that particular desk. We finally get around to me describing where the desk is located and I add a quick description of the problem. Mr. On-Premises has all the information he needs, grabs a replacement device and quickly swaps the docking station. He later closes the ticket with the information that the station was working fine and it just seemed to be a loose cable which happens from time to time as the desks are height adjustable and cables are not particularly fixed in place. In the end, we wasted three hours of my paid time, level one paid time, another hour of my boss's time, initial checks if his settings were wrong, and an hour of a level two supports time getting paid a union wage. All in all, a couple hundred euros to replug an HDMI cable into a docking station and a great story about the insanity of company policies even within the IT department. Does anyone learn from this issue? Of course not. I have since heard similar stories from colleagues describing very similar issues and timeframes to fix. At least mission critical issues are getting fixed faster than that. Well, I would certainly hope so. Um, mission critical or not, that is a ridiculous system. I mean, I understand every company has to have protocols and stuff and make sure you're not wasting time. The problem is you're wasting time doing that. The on-site guy should be able to make that call right away and... uh Either fix it or pass it on to somebody. It just doesn't make sense to outsource level one stuff that could be taken care of so easily and just have them, you know, regurgitate the script over and over and over again. But yeah, what do I know? Fixing a computer with my butt. This happened about 20 years ago. The company I worked for had bought some compact desktops that had an annoying issue. To enter the BIOS, you needed to boot it with a special floppy disk. This seemed rather stupid, but since there rarely was a reason to go into the BIOS, the floppy disks were often reused or thrown out. Anyhow, one day the RAM was upgraded in one of the machines, and it immediately gave an error saying you had to go into the BIOS to confirm the new amount. People started asking around the office, but no one could find one of the stupid boot floppy disks. I remembered a quirk with the machines that I had discovered by accident a few months earlier, and decided to have some fun. This machine was used to run some low-priority automated stuff and wasn't anyone's main desktop, so I felt free to announce that I would fix it using my butt. I wouldn't have done it that way if it was someone's work machine. If the machine had a keyboard error at startup, it would give the useless message, Keyboard Error, press F1 to continue. If you did this, it would go into the BIOS just like it would if you booted with the stupid floppy disk. All I had to do was sit lightly on the keyboard and press the power button. When the error occurred, I then pressed F1 and the BIOS screen opened up. And counted the memory properly. I guess that means I fixed it using my backside and one finger, but that sounds worse as a title. I'm not even sure what to say here. I'm not sure he needed to sit on it or lean against it or whatever to do that. You probably could have taken your hand and maxed down on the keyboard while pressing the power button and got the same result, but uh, hey, whatever works. It's better than calling tier one from that last story, though. The day my boss told me the customer cannot print the letter I. Reflecting on the first roughly dozen years of my career with the same very small and local company, there are for sure a lot of things worthy of this sub. One of them, around 2005 my boss called me and said, the customer cannot print an I anymore, please assist them. I knew the customer, a small office, and told my boss that this does not make any sense as typewheel printers were already a relic of the past and this customer didn't have any dot matrix printers. Doctors' offices used them, but this was a small architect office. Boss kept being adamant. They said they can't print an eye anymore. I insisted again that this absolutely could not be true. After some back and forth, I relented, let out a big sigh in the elevator down to the garage, and drove to the customer around the block. Parked my car, went into the office, was heartily greeted by the people there, and asked them to tell me what was really going on. See, Mr. fee? <laughs> we want to print invoices and cannot access the drive letter I anymore where those invoices are stored. Some clickety-click-click and clackety-clack-clack later, the connection to the network share was re-established and the customer could print I again. By the way, this was something we already would have been able to do remotely, even in 2005-ish. The same boss later left the company to become a freelance photographer, which honestly makes more sense. Not only because of the eye. Yeah, I've I've said it before. There, it's amazing how many people are in positions that they have no business being in. Uh, they either got there through nepotism, uh, payoffs, straight up lying, whatever. And then they get a chance over time to prove just how big of an idiot they really are. Or how incompetent at that job. Maybe they're not an idiot, but that's not a job they should be in. So, I mean, I don't consider myself an idiot most of the time. But there's definitely skill sets that I had no business even going near anything medically related. Nah, I could probably learn it, but I'm a little too redneck and impatient. I don't think I could ever go through the, uh, the schooling, the internship, all the political BS. It ends up in most offices, hospitals, you name it. So, uh, yeah, that's not some place I'm ever going to end up. I did, however, lie my way into a truck driving job when I, uh, came out of the service. <laughs> the guy said, uh, you know how to drive that truck i said give me 10 minutes and i'll figure it out and uh it was an old gmc general tractor nothing fancy no sleeper cab you know it was just a day driver and uh i figured it out got it going got it to move under its own power and then uh and then they hooked me up to a tanker and uh off i went worked out good for a while was able to pay my rent for a little while and then uh boss got caught doing some other shady stuff and uh job was done What part of we aren't doing that did you not understand? My company was doing an ERP upgrade. We had massive amounts of user testing and instructed the users to log tickets for things that didn't work in the upgraded test system. We also told them that there might be a few screens in the core system that changed. We would help them navigate these changes, but we would not be changing anything just to make it work like it used to. User X entered orders for a certain department. It was a simple task repeated multiple times a day. On the you're almost done screen, user X would always enter the options to do immediate ship and invoice. In the new system, the end order screen changed just slightly using a function key to kick off the immediate ship and invoice function rather than an option number. On three separate occasions, user X logged a request to change the end order screen so it worked exactly like the old one. They were never rude when they went and showed them the new way they needed to do their job. But User X kept logging their quest despite the very clear communication to everyone that IT would not be changing any out of the box screens. User X's boss was no help as she thought that we should make the change because in her words, they, their department, were our IT's customer. It finally took a come to Jesus meeting with VP of IT and two levels of User X's management to stop the fun and games. The VP of IT told them to stop asking for that which we have told you we will not do. Added, there have been a lot of comments on if the upgrade was really needed and why it was needed, etc. It ran on an IBM i system, formerly known as AS400. The level of the ERP software was tied to the OS on the box, which was tied to the hardware level. In a nutshell, we had the newest equipment we could have given the level ERP we were on. The kicker was that the equipment was so old that our support provider would not guarantee replacement hardware within an acceptable window for business continuity. I think the system was at least eight years old and probably more. We couldn't just upgrade the CPU or other components either. IBM had done a major form change and we had to completely replace the box, upgrade the OS one or two levels and upgrade the ERP all at the same time to have hardware that was readily supportable. I get it. I'm a creature of habit. I like things the way they were. When windows kept changing from version to version to version, it would be a little irritating. I gotta say you know, I'm that get off my long guy. I like Windows XP. I like the way it functioned. There was a bunch of versions that I really didn't care for. Vista was okay, got used to it. Windows 10 took a little bit, but it was more of a resource hog than everybody let on that it was going to be. And sounds like 11 is even worse. I get wanting to go back to the way things were because you knew the processes and it was simpler for you, but it can't always be that way. Uh, being around construction my whole life, you know, processes change, codes change engineering changes, architecture changes, you know, you can't always build things the same way they've been built for a hundred years. Eventually things change. So, yep, we just got to get used to it. Even us old farts. You've been listening to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. If you enjoy this content, be sure to follow my podcast. I upload new episodes at least three times a week.